stars of the culture wars. I'm your host, Alexandra Marshall, and today we are joined by Nerdrotic. Nerdrotic, welcome to Curtain Call. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Good so you're, hailing, you're all the way from the state, so you're our first fully international guest, so uh, it's evening for you and morning for us, but you describe yourself as a fandom advocate and 10-year comic book retelling veteran covering the good and bad of the current state of pop culture. Now, I first came across you years ago in your highly successful YouTube channel, Nerdrotic, where you talk about the latest TV and uh, movies going around, but you also run Nerdrotic Daily, Nerdrotic Live. You're a co-host on many platforms and you're also a guest on other large uh, entertainment shows and essentially what you do is you write uh, you write and talk about pop culture now while politicians skirt above uh culture and sort of respond to it you're right down in the thick of the of the whole current culture was going on did you intend to end up here making videos on a large youtube channel or did you just sort of fall into it uh, absolutely fell into it uh my intention was to stay connected uh, in pop culture in, in a way, cause I, I sold my comic shop back in 2013. Uh, and I had to go back and get into, uh, like regular day job professional life. So I wanted to stay connected, uh, it, with, with my nerds, with my nerds somehow. So I thought, Hey, I'll do a podcast. I was doing a little one at my comic shop for a while. And that's how it started. I, I, I did my first show in a Starbucks in San Francisco, uh, for about an hour back in 2014. And since then it has just built up. But as far as the culture war is concerned, it was, it was Dr. Who that got me into that. And that was something I tripped into, uh, uh, you know, when, uh, our, uh, I'm a huge Dr. Who fan and, um, I actually had you in one of my Dr. Who videos. Thank you very much. I thought you wrote a very good piece that, uh, that made a lot of sense. Uh, and I, and it was great to hear the female perspective on that, but I am not a fan. Oh, you just wanted the gimmick of having a penthouse article inside your uh, show. Let's be honest. Yes. Great. <laughs> great. It was great. But yeah, it was through Dr. Who I started, uh, you know, my eyes were opening up to it a little bit in comics. I was seeing it creep into the comic books because that's kind of where they, it was a proving ground for all of this, uh, all the identity politics, all of the social activism, the just activism and slowly we started seeing entertainment being usurped by this this activism and now it's like the mask is off and everybody that's a, I, my latest video which i just finished cutting which will be out tomorrow is more people just admitting that yeah i i took this role for this superhero to for a platform and and you know for a while i saw it coming in 
and it didn't bother me much. You know, I was like, ads ah, here and there, but then it was more and more. And then it just took over. And I didn't even realize that, that there was a point where it became the dominant culture in pop culture is, is woke culture. Uh, and now everything ha that has to be in absolutely everything before you even start writing your story. Uh, and that's part of my video that'll be out tomorrow is they, they set things up now. It's like, oh, well, we have to have this and this, this agenda, this, uh, you know, we have to gender and race swap this many people before we even hire a director now. Uh, and it's, it's, it's ridiculous when, you know, all I've ever wanted was just to be entertained. This is escapism. But uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was weird to get involved in this. I never thought I'd be part of a culture war, uh, and you know, I, I I still wake up every day going, God, this is just so weird. I, I've been doing it for two years now. Um, and, yeah, and I know exactly how I know exactly how you feel. I mean, you and I are both in sci-fi and the fantasy world, and I know the arts is very activist, but sci-fi and fantasy wasn't. I mean, TV shows used to take interesting concepts and play with them but it wasn't really a platform of activism like the rest of the arts world were and so most of us were just mucking around having fun with great stories and then all of a sudden the art form that we like to consume was overrun by this weird work culture that crept in from the rest of the world but just on the internet which is how we all sort of got started the internet's a very strange thing for our generation because we grew up with it and I don't know how much of this you've had experience with, but when I was growing up on the, so the fledging social media platforms, it was a really creative environment. It was just, it was bustling with energy and everyone was making things and sharing things. And not all of it was 100% legal because we were using things from other like songs and clips of shows and stuff like that. But it was all to the purpose of entertainment and creativity. Do you think that the incursion of politics into fandom has made us less creative? Yes, uh, I, I think in, in a way, I, um, but I think in a way we're more creative in a different way. Does that make sense? It, it's uh, the, the, I think personally, I think politics ru ruins everything when it comes to when I talk about uh, uh, entertainment, I'm talking about the stuff I which is straight up pop culture, which is superhero stuff and dark fantasy and sci-fi. And there's always been morality tales, you know, tales against, uh, you know, that, that were, you know, in Star Trek, they always used a couple of alien cultures to show you that racism was bad and genocide is bad. And that gets conflated with politics, by the way, which isn't that. No, those are morals. Those are like, uh, I'll use their language, their baseline. Those are things we are all against. Uh, and, and the, what, what has brought in, what's brought in now, what's ruined the creativity is intersectional feminism, uh, which is very, which niche weird, uh, I would call fundamentalist, uh, almost religion politics, uh, which are extreme. Uh, and now they've become the norms because they have slowly you know infested all of uh, our corporations now I, you know i know how things are your in your country but we have coca-cola being woke you know you all laughed at that by the way that trended in australia for ages we were like how is that a thing and then we started mocking it for the most part yeah and that's what that's what we do that's the best way to to take care of it is to mock it, but it is really uh, creativity is being destroyed before our very eyes right now. Um, mm -hmm. and because you're limiting yourself or Hollywood is limiting themselves on what kind of stories they can tell. 
for instance, Kevin Feige, the guy who heads the Marvel Cinematic Universe, admitted that there's a show on Wand called WandaVision on Disney Plus that uh, Doctor Strange was supposed to be in it, but they decided not to put him in it because they didn't want to have the white guy telling her, you know, how to use her magic or what to do, which by itself, narratively, I don't have a problem with if you don't want your character being upstaged by another character. But the motivation behind it, Kevin Feige calling one of his characters just the white guy it's it's dr strange to to comic book fans this is a huge character he's not just a white the white guy so that sounds i mean it sounds that they're minimizing characters that people actually care about and they're perpetuating uh the god the divisive racism that's been going on in our country for well for a long time but uh we we obviously still have a lot of problems in our country and, and i i'll be the first to admit it uh i'm not you know Rah rah for everything, uh, but it they have been pushing this false narrative ever since. Uh, well, 2016 was when things went crazy when Donald Trump was elected president, Hollywood lost its freaking mind. So they all felt like they were on this, you know, uh, a mission. They all felt like they, uh, it was a crusade of sorts to take out the tyrant. And they were going to use any means necessary. So they used uh, Star Wars. Marvel, everything they could. Uh, but that was just the beginning, right? And and that was, again, just the mask coming off. Uh, and, and a lot of us were just like, hey, we don't want, there's certain things we don't want politics in. We just want to escape for a minute and take, uh, take our, you know, our mind off of things for a couple of hours. Most of my life I was spent, I'm a working man. I'm blue collar guy. So I just, I, I liked it when I got home from work, I used to sell auto parts and I'd turn on Star Trek and just turn my brain off for an hour. It was great, but you can't do that now. We don't get that relief anymore. It's and not even intelligent uh, politics either. So when they include politics in the shows now, it's not like they're making a great comment or exploring an idea. It's very much paint by numbers as, a, as an idea. But uh, also, not just the creativity in the industry, I'm also talking about the creativity of fans. Now, sci-fi started suffering from, and fantasy and comic books as well, from this work culture pretty early on because it relies on a tight-knit network of devoted fans who spend money not just to watch a show but to buy the uh, products around it. Like Your Room is a perfect example of the sort of money that fans spend on shows that they love. And so I find now that instead of fandom being this uh, group of people making things, it's basically groups of teenagers shouting at each other. And so we've, we've lost, a whole generation seems to have lost the camaraderie that they, and the enjoyment they get out of watching TV programs. It seems to be more about signaling a virtue than um, enjoying the entertainment industry. And it's turning kids into, I would hate to say, but they're becoming psychopaths. <laughs> Absolutely correct. Uh, fandom has never been perfect, right? We've always argued about like, fan stuff but it's I, get to I go to bed because i was in australia i go to bed one night and all the forums i was moderating somehow all the shippers from one ship had gone and tried to kill the shippers from the other one and it'd be over and done within 24 hours that's fine that's not what we're talking about that that's yeah that's definitely not what we're talking about we're talking about uh you know here in the states we talk about you know never at thanksgiving never bring up uh politics or religion at, at thanksgiving dinner and you'll have a good time with your family and that and the same thing happened with fandom when politics ruins everything and when it comes to pop culture which is supposed to be fun um 
you know, uh, it was the place where we all could come together. I had a rule at my comic shop. I, I only had two rules. You can't use the bathroom unless I know you and no politics in my store. There was a big sign up front, leave the politics at this door. Uh, and it worked. And we had, you know, uh, people of all makes, shapes and sizes shopping in my store. We had a good time. Uh, Doctor Who fandom used to be that place. It is now probably one of the worst fandoms. With uh, pop culture and work, work's really hard to define it. And a lot of people struggle to actually say what work is, but you know it when you see it. So I've been casually defining it as things like it's a sacrifice of interesting entertainment and content in exchange for preachy activism. I think that's about as close as you can get to defining work culture. Mm -hmm. But it often includes things like gender swapping the characters out and casting biodiversity instead of merit, that sort of stuff. But what I was going to ask you, what show or franchise was genuinely good and loved that has been destroyed by work culture? Uh, Doctor Who. I think, uh, I, I well, I could name a few right now a uh, doctor who star trek star wars uh marvel comics uh dc comics uh and even to a certain extent it wasn't woke but it was intersectional feminism which was game of thrones but oh uh, and subverting expectations i wasn't going to mention game of thrones because i thought it might be too triggering for everybody involved yeah and how much their lives they put into game of thrones i put six hundred thousand words into game of thrones and i'm i can't even talk about it <laughs> No, it's it's uh, that one still stings. It still stings. But Doctor Who is the worst because th the very definition of woke uh, happened. That when they sacrificed their entire canon, their entire history to help uh, prop up a character that was clearly unpopular, uh, which was the female Doctor. And instead of just having her come in, do her run, and leave, and everybody could forget about it. No, they had to change the entire show, change the origin of the show to make her more important without even thinking about what the most important thing is, is writing. If you want something to be good, good writing can get you, get you out of any trouble. Uh, you know what? If the, if Doctor was a well-written show, I wouldn't, I mean, all I could say is, well, I didn't like the female Doctor, but it's a well-written show. I can't. I can't say that though, because they didn't care about the writing. It's what you just said. They sat, they just wanted a female doctor and that was it. They don't even write her like a female. Uh, they gave her one of the worst, worst writers. She's had all the worst episodes. All of her ratings have gone down. It's it. The fandom isn't even split anymore. It's decimated. And what's left is what you just said is a bunch of people shouting generally at me and a few of our friends who still, you know, care enough to talk about the show anymore. Uh, which is a, a, a smaller number every day. Yeah, well, that is the, the audience are reflecting how unpopular this idea is. Uh, but, you know, with Doctor Who, I, I'm going to be honest, I've only really watched a couple of episodes because it's funny because the people involved in this think that if you don't like the work that's called Doctor Who, you don't like a female doctor or whatever the gender crazy thing is, then you must be offended by it. But quite honestly, it was, as you say, just boring it was so we had a whole little bingo board drawn up and hoping to make fun of the show when it first aired and it was so bad and so poorly written and so uninteresting that we couldn't even make fun of the new series of Doctor Who with this female doctor and it's often the case with this woke politics that they're creating genuinely boring uninspired rubbish instead of a provocative show and that's very much the case of that politics too we're coming up with terrible policies that have no no merit 
but they are they're activist stuff and it's all it all looks great but uh what i was going to go into is that at some point audiences have lost the ability to see themselves reflected in the ideas of a piece of tv or movie or writing and now we demand that we see a mirror of ourselves our race our age and our and our gender back at us it's a strange concept uh when do you think that started and why do we now demand to see copies of ourselves in film that started in american universities and i'm sure it started in universities down there as well and that was identity it was all about identity but i mean it's not about personal identity it's about a collectivist identity like we all you know so when they say i need to see myself reflected they just need to say i mean just come out and say it less white we want to have less white people in it okay fine be more inclusive and diverse and less, men. less men too you can't have men or yeah it, it's very clear what they want to have in their uh, their art yeah, but, but it started in university and it crept up into comic books. Uh, and when comic books started get adapting more, um, the, you know, comic books have all has, they have always had a sect of very extreme people, you know, artists, artists are activists. Like you said, well, look, at the look at the tight, the tight costumes, the other um, underwear on the outside. That's quite a, it's quite a statement of fashion, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. And that's what I prefer in my superheroes, by the way, the underwear has to be on the outside. I really don't like it when it's not, uh, but no, it, it's, but they, they've had the underground comics too, you know, and that's always been part of it. And there's always been like Marxism and stuff and that's always been around, but it was never taken seriously. And it just got started. They started taking it seriously for some reason. I don't know why people lost their mind and it, it just crept in more. And no, I think there's also a, a narcissism within uh, our gener a generation of kids. You know, I'm a dad. I have two kids. Thankfully, my kids are not like this. And I'm grateful every day. Uh, and it's partially because we didn't overpraise them or whatever. Uh, but I think uh, there was a lot of bad parenting going along, going on. And we and and you know these these parents send their kids off to these very expensive universities. They get useless degrees. And they learn things like I need to, uh, I need identity. And then there's multiple genders and then that has to match what I see. And if I don't see myself, I can't enjoy something, which is ridiculous, uh, obviously ridiculous, but it's, it's all to push a narrative, right? Uh, but there's some people who individually actually believe that, uh, but it's stuff I've heard before, you know, it's, uh, there's a, a website called the Mary Sue, which covers comic books and sci-fi. It's been around for a while. It's the kind of stuff they said from the beginning. I don't see myself reflected in there. Well, you know, there's a thing called the human condition. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't really identify with a Southern California cheerleader, but Buffy the Vampire Slayer is one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, and I, can't, I don't identify with being a demon or a vampire, but somehow I managed to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And for the record, I also love Buffy, but my favorite character wasn't Buffy. It was Spike. So, you know, go figure that yeah. with the uh, feminist warriors. What I find interesting, you're a, you're a business person, so you've had, you sell things to people, you understand what it is to have an audience who buys things. And I have noticed all these stars coming out and even writers and producers of these, these new shows, and they actively attack their audience if they don't go along with this work stuff. So one example I pulled off one of your videos is by Ruby Rose, who I believe is the actress who was playing Batwoman in that new TV show. 
And she said, some people might not see themselves on screen and therefore not see the point. But there's obviously plenty of shows out there for people like that. There's plenty of shows for white old men. And there was a similar quote from Jodie Whittaker, who I can't remember what the exact quote was. You probably know it off by heart. But why are these actors and writers coming out and attacking their own audience who they presumably want to love them? Is it because they're frustrated that we're not agreeing and, and accepting consuming the product they're offering? Yeah, they, 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 um, they think they're right. They just think they're right. And they think that people, because people are rejecting it, it's because of uh, a trait you know, a single trait. And that's where identity comes in and this collectivism stuff, right? Uh, it's like a, a gay, uh, somebody who's gay, that's not everything they are. It's just an aspect of what should be uh, a, a lot of different things that make up a personality, not just where I put my stuff or where my stuff, where somebody else's stuff gets put. That That's, that's you know, that's a, a, got a, a minuscule part portion of your life. Uh, a life has to be fuller than that, but they try to break it down so they can, you know, push their collectivism crap. What Ruby Rose uh, meant, it, it's the same thing Jody said. Jody said, well, these, these, you're coming from the white man's perspective. Uh, like we all have the same perspective. Now, again, I am not against anybody writing or doing anything by all means, go out there and write away and create stuff. And if it's interesting, I will enjoy it and back it. I don't care what your perspective was. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your politics are. Uh, if it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. Um, there is a reason, uh, you know, that for one, you know, for a long time, we were a predominantly white country. We're less that now, which is fine, but, um, it was just a matter of, I think it was more an, an economic thing than anything else. But what Ruby Rose is pushing is again, pushing away from the human condition. So, what you're saying is your Batwoman show is only for only for uh, lesbians. I mean, like there's not enough of them to watch a show. And that's that BS that we that they push. It's segregation. But yeah. For viewership is essentially what it is. If you're not the correct identity or gender or sexuality, you can't watch our show and enjoy. It's it's uh, bizarre. It's dangerous. It's, it's, uh, getting bad here. It's getting very bad here. Uh, and, and that's, you know, to the point where even if you call it out, sometimes you're silenced, you know, something about that on a different subject. Uh, but like, yeah, like we, we, uh, you know, and it's tricky to call it out because every, every time you do, you're called, uh, I'm called a racist and a Nazi damn near daily now, uh, which is hilarious. Uh, and I don't, I don't take it seriously, but it's, it, when you get, called that enough it starts to stick and then it does become dangerous we did have uh you know last summer there was people attacked and killed for their politics in our country that that is something that i could not believe i was watching in my country and that's because of all the vitriol out there all the divisiveness and all this yeah this segregation garbage you know none of these characters like captain america or spider-man or batman or luke skywalker none of them would would have been as popular as they were if only white people enjoyed them. Uh, and, and it it's, it's that group think again, you know, thankfully, you know, a lot of people who follow my channel and other channels in our sphere, right. Uh, we, we have again, all make shapes and sizes. And I have encouraged all of them to make videos, to go out there and show your face and show that, no, it's, it's a, 
it's all of it. We're, it's just the general population and it's no majority of anything. Uh, it's just regular working people, you know, going out there and enjoying stuff. And we're all calling this out now. We're trying to like, I don't preach this common sense, this rare thing called common sense now, uh, which the, you know, the media has turned away from, uh, Hollywood has turned away from. And it, and right now I, th I don't know if it's broken beyond repair. Uh, there's still people who love entertainment and want to enjoy it, but it, it's, we're starting to see numbers come in. Like we had our big Oscars award show and the ratings were horrible, all time low. And all the other award shows, all time low. Our sporting events are starting to lose ratings. The crowds are thinning out because they got political as well. And we're just, people are going off to do other stuff. And we're becoming more fragmented and we've, and it's, we've taken a giant step back as a country, uh, maybe a couple steps back. Things were better a few years ago, as far as race relations and economy and everything, uh, they were better, uh, even a couple of years ago, they were better aside from the media screaming, uh, you know, me walking around in my everyday life in California, I never saw any of this stuff. Uh, and, and. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know where it ends, but we, the, the pop, the culture war part of it was, I don't know. It's something I had to kind of work out on my, I'm like, how important is this? Uh, but it's, it's very important. It's, it's a, it's a really important part of our culture. And if we lose this, if we lose this to the psychopaths who want to separate us, then we're in trouble as a country because we've lost so much already. And we're very close to losing it, by the way. I mean, it's like this far away. Well, you know, as a woman watching this idea of feminism that uh, you've been talking about, that the, uh, they're pushing through this work culture, you know, they keep telling us that we didn't have any role models growing up. Now, apart from the obvious idea that we did have all the same role models you had growing up, obviously, because we all watched the same entertainment. But we did have strong female characters. We had, uh, you know, I had Lara Croft Tomb Raider, who was one of my favourite uh, ideas as, as a persona. I had, you know, Sam Carter from um, Stargate growing up. I had so many strong women in uh, all sorts of TV and movies, but they've sort of taken that away. So now a perfect example is, is Lara Croft from Tomb Raider. They've reimagined her character as a shadow of her former self. They even mm -hmm. call the new Tomb Raider shadow of the Tomb Raider or whatever. It's why does Hollywood sort of destroy female characters if they present real strength or any kind of male attributes. They seem to hate that. You're not allowed to have that as a female character. I just find that bizarre as a woman. And it's not appealing either, the new female persona they put out. Women don't like it. Men don't like it. No one likes it. Yeah. Again, it's. I think they're just they're bending the knee to activism. And I think <laughs> it's, largely, it's largely out of fear. I think it's out of fear. They don't want to be labeled racist. Uh, and I think they're very sensitive to the fact that they're still making millions of dollars and spending millions and millions and millions of dollars on these, on this garbage. Um, I don't think they like strong women either. I don't think they like no. genuinely strong women. They, they attack them relentlessly, but here's a concept that I'm sure you've heard before. When I hear people say to me, Oh, well, it's just pop culture. It's just TV. It's just movies. None of it matters. I put up a quick poll on Twitter yesterday before I was bad. Um, and to say, you know, does Hollywood matter? And 99% of people are like, no, Hollywood make, doesn't matter at all. It's, it's irrelevant. Um, but I have watched children growing up on social media where they are coerced and bullied and brainwashed into political movements via their entertainment. 
and the systems of support that grew up around the entertainment industry. Do you think our cultures are being, our culture wars are being inflicted upon our children via their entertainment? And should parents be paying more attention? Parents should always be paying attention to what their kids are doing every second of the day. Uh, but is it, are they being corrupted through our entertainment or I, I don't, they're Hollywood entertainment. No, I think as far as Hollywood is concerned, um, I mean, it's, I don't know how you guys see it over in Australia here. It used to be our royalty. They used to be our royalty, Hollywood celebrities. That's not the case anymore. And they are becoming more irrelevant. Um, what is creep? No, no. The biggest danger to our kids right now, in my opinion, is our schools. I know YouTube won't like me saying that, but it's our schools because we are getting our schools are being uh, it is terrible. The curriculum that is being put in, including critical race theory, stuff like that. Well, let, me give, let me give you an example of what I mean. So Tumblr is where a lot of fandom happens. And usually um, that's where you see the expressions of how the group of kids are going and, and expressing themselves with fandom. And there's a little quaint BBC show called Death in Paradise. The gimmick is that a British cop goes to the, Car uh, the Caribbean and solves crimes, mostly against their will. It's a, it's a fun show, right? And the cast is mostly people of colour because obviously it's set in the Caribbean. Um, and this is the comments, and I pulled one of many comments from the, the discussion there, and it says, for starters, the cast of mostly black supporting actors call the show's white male lead Sir and rely on him to solve crimes. Uh, it goes on and on about how somehow having one white male lead who's called by their profession, which is, you know, Sir is the correct title if you're in charge of the, your DI. Yep. Somehow that's a form of oppression and racial segregation, God knows what. So what's the future of storytelling and art if these kids start to become the ones in charge of the new narrative. There won't be, there won't be a future. You, nobody's going to want to see, uh, you're going to be so re any restriction on creativity kills it immediately. Like, uh, you know, there's certain lines you won't personally, you know, cross a, as a creator, but if you're sitting down and writing something, you don't want to be restricted by anything. Sure. There's notes and everything. And we're, you know, we're not talking about extreme cases. We're just talking about writing a conversation where somebody says, sir, if you have to think about that, you're done. You're, I mean, it's over. Nobody's going to want to watch somebody, uh, like walk up to go, hello friend. Uh, or can you even say that? What are your pronouns? Like we're going to, people are going to switch that off in a second. Um, and that again, that's coming from our schools uh, that the kids are getting that from schools and maybe from parents too. I don't know. They, not for me, uh, but that's the kind of stuff I see getting to our kids. Yeah. Wh when this generation grows up, if they care about scripted television anymore, which they might not because uh, they're not that into it. I I'm getting ready for the point at which having shows categorized into sci-fi or fantasy is considered to be not inclusive enough because you didn't include the horror genre. Well, you didn't include the history genre. I mean, it was already a whole campaign about how it was uh, a form of white supremacy to put works of black authors in the adult in the young adult fiction because you weren't taking them seriously enough as fiction. That was a real thing that went around a couple of weeks ago. But that was a form of white supremacy. I know you shake your head, but you, there's no limit to peak work. No. Ridiculous. There is no <laughs> limit to it. None at all. Um, so the politicians use polls, opinion polls, to gauge how 
well they're doing or how badly they're doing or how crazy they are. And uh, pop culture has Rotten Tomatoes, which is a, a site where people can, you've got uh, normal people who rate shows and then you've got the professional reviewers who rate shows. And there's often a disparity between the opinion of these two groups. Now, you've done a few videos on Rotten Tomatoes and what that is. What are you noticing in work culture for work shows with these opinion polls on uh, how they're performing? Oh, I think people are fighting back against it and they get silenced. That's the problem is uh, the reason YouTube grew, the, the reason channels grew on YouTube is because places like Rotten Tomatoes and other sites were shutting down all their comment sections, shutting down everything. Uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes was a great equalizer for a long time. And you saw the disconnect with entertainment and mainly the media, right? The media would absolutely love something and the audience would hate it. And of course, they would just come out and say, oh, that's not a legitimate view. That's review bombing or blah, blah, blah. But they would never have an answer for, well, why isn't somebody review bombing the other way? You know, if there's that many people who actually like Captain Marvel, there would be enough people doing the same thing. Fans are crazy like that. They'll do that. But no, it was only downvoting and it was only when it was just a couple of movies, not just everything. So they got rid of it. They For Captain Marvel, they ended up changing Rotten Tomatoes and it ruined the site. It ruined the site. There's still Metacritic and stuff, but right now the great equalizer remains YouTube. It's the one place. Uh, I mean, a lot of people get silenced here. Don't get me wrong, but the comment sections, the down votes, that keeps you honest. <laughs> it does. And uh, Star Wars is getting killed right now. So in, in that, that's where I get encouraged because uh, YouTube here in this country is a great cross section. It, it, it you got a pretty good idea of what, the country is feeling because it's got uh, an equal amount of men, women, Democrat, Republican, uh, uh, of everything. Twitter is leans more a certain way. Rotten Tomatoes again was one of those equal things that everyone went to until they shut it down. So yeah, I, well, I, it's, a, it's, a form of, it's a strange form of, form of censorship where you actually you remove criticism for a piece of fiction. I mean, how paranoid do you have to be about your idea if you feel the need to go and delete uh, star ratings and reviews of a TV show? I mean, that seems like a pretty fragile ideology to me if we're engaging in that sort of behaviour. Yes, there's a, there's a lot of fragile com companies out there, I'm finding out, and they are scared to death of YouTubers and of the audience, essentially. If you're scared to death of a YouTuber, you're scared of your audience because that's all we represent. I am a fan. That's all I am. And my other fans can come to my channel and, you know, voice their opinions on, in my comment section on live streams. I do a lot of live streams where we, I get to see what people are saying. I talk to them uh, and we're on the front lines of this stuff and they are freaked out because they, they, they are finding out they're wrong and they have billions of dollars invested into films that uh, they can't change at this point. And they're going to have to release them anyway. So they're going to do whatever they can to protect these films until they either change their ways or don't. I, I don't know if they'll ever wake up to that. Uh, the one thing Hollywood has had a hard time with uh, since its beginning is dealing with their egos and, and admitting they're, they screwed up or they have a bomb or, uh, and my God, you know, with, the, again, with the Oscar ratings, that was a huge wake up call for them. They knew people hated them. They didn't realize how many, 
Uh, a lot of people are mad at Hollywood and, and it will be irrelevant here very, very soon because of the way they have acted towards their audience. And it's, yes, it's weird. I was just right before I got on with you, I was watching a, uh, an employee of Lucasfilm attack fans, like straight up attack fans. And he, and you know, it, it was over to the Gina Carano firing and, uh, you know, this, this is Lucasfilm employee who's Fred Freddie Prince Jr. The son of Freddie Prince, who was a comedian back in the seventies, um, went after a, a little YouTuber, a YouTuber called the a black Jedi. He's got a few thousand subscribers and he has this big Hollywood guy coming after him now because he called him out in a video, you know, it's, and- it's mean spirited and it's unnecessary, but you know, Hollywood is the popular kid from school. That's who they are. Their entire existence revolves around people loving them. And if people don't love them and throw money at their feet, well, all of a sudden, it's a bit of a shock to the system that maybe they were not an essential service and maybe they are uh, something of a luxury item that people, you know, they don't always, if, if people are poor, they're not going to give money to Hollywood if they're shouting at them all the time. No, no they're not. And uh, they're going to go, they're good. You know, there's a saying, get woke, go broke. And uh, it's, it's, it's an accurate saying. And well, I mean, we're, again, I'm watching, I was watching it live right before we started and uh, it, it's not a good look to go after your fans. Cause you, you know, they want to assume they all look like me and they don't, uh, they, and, uh, they, they, it makes them look really bad. Uh, and no, it's, and it's so much easier to just be a professional. Like people call me out all the time. I get called all kinds of crazy shit. I don't acknowledge it. I let them have their say, uh, a lot of, you know, some, a lot of people are very nice, uh, even if they disagree, like I'll get an email of, you know, of just like, ah, oh, well, you know, I totally disagree with you on this, but you know, I think you're a nice guy and stuff. And like, I'll listen to that all day long, uh, and, and have my mind changed. But you know, you, if somebody comes at me with F you, you're a Nazi or anything, I just let them have my, their say and go, I don't engage. Why would I engage? I like, I don't want to waste my time, but, um, apparently, uh, you know, voice actors who make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year have the time to engage with a what a 19 year old kid on Twitter, which is, I, 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 I have a moral platform to stand on. It's not like Hollywood have a moral platform to stand on. I mean, they are, they're famous for not paying their writers. They're famous for, you know, having the casting couch and they try and, and put forward their problems onto us. If we are somehow at fault for what the environment they've created. But I was going to ask you, has anybody ever come after you? I've generally managed to survive. I had a corporation come after me once, uh, and it was over potential spoilers, but they just used that as an excuse. I was just reviewing a television show, uh, and there's supposed to be a, um, an embargo on certain things, but I don't have to recognize the embargo, uh, cause I'm not official media. So, uh, but they have been really mad cause I have been critical and it was star Trek. So CBS, uh, uh, they struck my channel completely illegally, by the way, uh, they get, they struck my channel and, uh, I could not live stream. I couldn't upload for a little while. This is right when I went on vacation. So I'm like, Oh crap. Uh, I fought it and won. Uh, but, and that's the only time I, but friends of mine have had, uh, like Sony come after them. Uh, there's a game called the last of us two which was, which went incredibly woke. And my friends called it out and they hired a company, a third party company to just start striking down all their videos, just indiscriminately. And none of these people, you know, like 
we have rules we have to abide by. We can't show, uh, we can't show certain things, uh, you know, sure, you know, footage and stuff or copyrighted material. And we generally don't, but they were striking down just people talking like me. All they did was turn on their camera and talking and they were striking them down over the last of us too. And that they went after channel after channel, after channel, after channel. So it happens a lot. They, uh, they, they try to cancel us. Uh, I, I mean, something, it usually happens every four months or so, but the only bad thing I've personally went through was with CBS. Yeah. Well, I noticed that, uh, I remember an episode where they went after a fan of, I think it was Star Trek, the, the new discovery came out and there was a fan who designed a game around it. And they basically took the ideas from his game and ran with them. Am I correct in remembering, remembering that, that they went after him and took his content? Uh, yeah, they stole his content, in my opinion. That's what I have to say. Uh, this guy, he created a blue tardigrade. A tardigrade is like a microscopic animal. He created a blue tardigrade that can uh, travel instantaneously in time and space, and one just happened to show up in the show. And the guy who creates the show is famous for paying homage, as he likes to say, <laughs> or lifting a lot of ideas. Uh, yeah, well, and, we, do it, we get a YouTube strike when they do it, they get to design a whole show around it. Yep. And make, you know, millions of dollars and rip off a guy's a poor guy. And he was, uh, he's, he's an Egyptian man. Uh, it, it, you know, he's in the middle East and he was trying to fight it over here and it was, it was damn near impossible. So he, he ended up losing. He tried to sue him and, uh, and he, yeah, he just, he just ran out of money. They, they outspent him. We tried I, don't raise- see any for, I don't see any cancer culture or equality marches for him. But look, as, as scary as the whole cancer culture work thing is coming up, it has provided some moments of genuine entertainment. And I was going to ask you what your favourite uh, thing to watch or that you've seen that amused you is. And don't say Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globe because that is the, the top. That's the, the funniest thing I've ever seen. Was there anything else that you thought was particularly humorous? From yeah, Ricky Gervais his speech was like the stairway to heaven of comedy. Uh, that was like, I, I, I watch and listen to that almost every day. I think it was a uh, sticks and when sticks and stones came out with Dave Chappelle and, uh, they tried to cancel him and it just, he's uncancelable. He's like one of the few people you can't cancel. That was great. And his response to it was great. Uh, and, and I think that kind of turned the tide. That's what started where it made it okay to start criticizing woke. Now, some of us have been criticizing woke from the beginning. Uh, but my favorite part is when they eat each other up. When they, uh, when, you know, one person who claims to be some sort of male feminist, like not two weeks later, you'll find out that that guy is a complete creep. And uh, not that I liked him being a creep, but I just love seeing them eat their own. Uh, that's and, quite entertaining. Hypocrisy it's is very entertaining. Hilarious. It's hilarious. He faked his own hate crime by getting a subway and then he put his own, he hired people. That was very funny. That was Miss Jesse Spolet. Yes. Uh, he was attacked by black Trump fans at three in the morning when it was two degrees. I mean, I, I don't know what the Celsius was, but it was like two degrees oh. Fahrenheit outside uh, going to subway. Uh, and yes, believe it or not, it was, it was fake. It was absolutely fake. Dave Chappelle talks about it in his, uh, in his routine, which is great. Uh, yeah. And we get stuff like that all the time. Most of the, 
not not all, but most of the crimes that are reported like that, those hate crimes, you find out there's somebody else behind them. I'm trying to think of like yeah. one. Experiment is what that or like what's going on in America. Pull your head in. That's that's a step too far. Who even has the patience to organize something of that scale? We wouldn't get halfway through that when we gave up and went to the beach or something. Um, but I was going to ask before we get to our fun question at the end. Uh, do you think that Hollywood's going to quietly backtrack from this whole work thing now that they're going completely broke? Um, I doubt they'll have a statement of apology of sorry we were such nasty, freaky, race-driven individuals, but do you suspect they'll just quietly start making better quality productions to try and get some of their money back? Yes. It's going to be a couple of years because all the stuff we're getting right now was in the can you know, two years ago and a year ago. Uh, but, yeah, we're starting to see a couple of signs here and there that they're going to turn like there's a show called superman and lois that came out that uh is incredibly popular now of course yesterday they announced black superman uh which is a whole other thing uh but no they, they they're going to have to have some massive failures those are going to happen over the next two years and then maybe they'll turn around or they'll go out of business i mean it's going to be one of the two because people are done i mean even it's not even on political lines anymore. And it never really has been. That's, that's a false narrative. As far as the, the woke culture, it's annoying. It, even if you agree with some of those politics, it's incredibly obnoxious and annoying. And, and it's a trend. All trends die. And I think it's starting to. So I think it's two more years till we see them starting to turn things around. I mean, Hollywood's never going to you know, not be uh, on the left, which is whatever. It never bothered me that much before. But uh, they need to like be right down the middle. They need to make very like traditional heroes and escapism and fun stuff that doesn't even talk about what's going on today. That's what people want. After this year, people like just that that they're done with all of this stuff. So that's that's a good sign. Whether they get it, I don't know. But I think if it does happen, it's a couple of years. It's a possibility. And please, no pandemic films. We don't need to see more of that we already live that 24 7 i want to see any of these horror films of a virus spreading across the globe <laughs> yeah you're shaking your head so look my last question thank you for joining us today is um if you could have dinner with anybody living or dead who would it be and why oh that was a tough one that was a tough one but it would be ah. Uh, because it was between J.R.R. Tolkien and Douglas Adams, and I chose Douglas Adams uh, because he's a little more contemporary. Uh, and uh, Douglas Adams is an English writer who passed away when he was 51 years old back in 2001. He wrote one of my favorite all-time books, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And his view on life was uh, prophetic. He was, he was a, an unassuming prophet and... If you read any of his books, uh, it's very Monty Python-like humor, and he hung out with them back in the day. But this book was a huge part of my life for many, many reasons. It, it helped me build my philosophy because uh, it's, it's uh, you know, the comedy from Australia and from the UK is smarter than our comedy. It's, it just is. And that's why I was always drawn to it. And uh, that book was, it's, you can recommend it to anybody. It's, it's a fun read. You'll laugh out loud and it has a lot of philosophy in it, a, a ton. Uh, so I would love to sit down with Douglas Adams and just chew his ear off for like an hour. 
wonderful. Look, I loved it too. I, I first read the radio plays is how I got introduced to the uh, franchise and I, I thought they were wonderful and very creative and entertaining and just a brilliant example of how great the genre can really be. But uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Novrotic, and uh, I look forward to your next live stream and uh, all the best with your YouTube channel in the future. Thank you so much for having me. We'll have to have you on the channel soon. I'd love to. Thank you for joining us on Curtain Call. We are hosted by The Good Source, the home of conservative and libertarian voices. Help us fight fake news by following us online. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and all good podcasting services. If you enjoy this content, please like and subscribe.